Ollie, we've we've had a bit of a roller coaster today. We were texting before or earlier today, and we said we were both pretty flat initially, but after a few hours have passed now, I think we've got a bit bit more perspective about how things have unfolded. Yeah, definitely. When all the trades came through at the last minute on deadline day, everyone just left at the last minute. I think we're both a bit in shock about what happened. It seemed like we completely folded at the last minute. But yeah, I think having a few hours to digest the whole thing, I don't think it's as as bad as we initially thought. But mm. yeah, it's not perfect. And I don't think you'll ever get a, a perfect trade period. But yeah, we're going to have to see what happens there. It's it's hard to really think now what it's actually like. Like We're probably going to have to wait a couple of years, especially with Josh Shackey, and he's just the, the great unknown. Like he's just He has a lot of talent, but it's just his mind and um, application that mm. might end up holding him back and, and definitely did it lines. Yeah, it's a bit funny. Like The media sort of race races to you know give a verdict and judge your trade period but i think trades and draft are sort of you look at in retrospect and say oh you know that was a good year for us or you know this panned out pretty well i don't think you can sort of take an instant reaction now like it kind of contradicts itself in us doing this podcast and talking about it but i think in a few years we'll get a better picture and understanding of how things took place today if that makes sense yeah, definitely right. I think at the time, going back to 2009 when we brought in Brendan Favola, that was seen as a, a definite win for the Lions and yeah. Carlton had been screwed over. But <laughs> in absolute hindsight, we completely lost out of that and it totally set the club back mm. so many years. We're just trying to cover it from it now. So, Still, yeah. yeah, it's um, one of those things, drafts as well, like you can have the highest draft picks and everything like that, but no guarantees are going to turn out to be a great player as Josh Shackey's proved at the line, number two draft pick, and mm. yeah, he's left after two years, which is very, very disappointing. We'll get into that in a second. I think the only firm, solid, hot take that I can sort of gain from this whole period is that the trade period and free agent period is just way too long. Like, this could have all been done four or five days max, I reckon, like, how drawn out and prolonged this whole period was. Like, at the end there, it was just a joke, everyone trying to get things done that have sort of been, you know, earmarked and talked about for probably weeks now. Um, yeah, you're dead right. I think there just has to go back to the trade week. Mm. Like, it's turned into this trade period where it's basically two weeks now. Yeah. And, yeah, as you said, it was just an absolute joke today, everyone filing reports at the, um, the last minute. It was like... Even at the start of the day, they went many trades going through and then in the last hour or so everything seemed to happen so mm. this could have all been avoided like there were days there in the trade period where literally nothing happened at all and journos were just sitting around people on twitter were just like what's what's happening why are we doing this so i think the afl definitely have to look at it and go back to just yeah a few days but uh, i guess they want the afl continuously in the spotlight so yeah, that's a drawn right. out period like this that it suits them and keeps them in the media because after now until the draft, it's going to be a bit quieter. So um, It was really like as if all the list managers were uni students. So just like the total last minute yeah. mind frame, just, oh, shit, you know, got to lodge the assignment, got to get the paperwork in. It was just chaotic. But anyway, we'll move on from that. We're going to start by talking about what we gained in this trade period. So the big 
big game for us is which we sort of telegraphed back in, I think it was May we first talked about it with Mike Whiting, was Luke Hodge joining the club for a few a pick swap in the 40s. So we went, ended up with 44 and we sent Hawthorne 43 and 75. Yeah, so it's essentially pick 75 we've got Hodge for, yeah. which was always going to happen. It was always going to be a late pick and... You saw what Hawthorne did with Jordan Lewis and Sam Mitchell last year. They were just happy. Well, Hodge had retired, so it was a bit different to Mitchell and Lewis last year. But, yeah, we're always going to get him for, for not much. But, yeah, super recruit and credit to you, Kegs. And, obviously, Mike Whiting brought this up a long time ago, and it's actually come off. So, I think it's just brilliant, and all the fans are really excited. It was pretty weird seeing him in a... A Lions jumper saying how Very excited strange. he is to, to join the club and can't yeah. wait to get into the preseason. It was almost a, a surreal experience, really, watching that. But, um, yeah, I, it's just great to have his leadership at the club and I'm sure he'll bring more off the field than, than on the field. He's, I think he's still going to add a lot on the field, even if he does only play 14, 15 games, but just his mm-hmm. leadership and his experience and just I think just lifting the standards at the club is just going to be really important yeah for sure I think I think he made the example that you know Fagan only gets to pass on a message at the quarter time or you know during the reviews on Monday but getting to have that live you know by the minute um, feedback and assessment is just going to bring the group along in leaps and bounds and particularly that defense they're going to improve so quickly with Luke Hodge back there it's pretty exciting. Um, as you said, strange to see him in the Lions jumper for the first time. So I haven't got used to it. It's on my screen at the moment and still freaks me out a bit. But um, I think the thing that did catch me a bit off guard about this whole deal was the fact that it's a two-year playing deal. I yeah, I was pretty certain it was going to be like a one-year, then maybe multiple years as coach. But yeah, straight off the bat, two-year playing deal. Um, whether that eventuates, like I think Sam Mitchell might have signed for two with West Coast. Don't quote me on that, but only ended up paying one. Um, so who knows? We'll see how his body holds up. But at the end of the day, we've got him. It's going to be a huge boost for us. And yeah, this this move was brilliant, I think. Oh, definitely. I know there are a lot of sceptical fans at the start, but I think it was just more trying to get your head around a retired champion coming out of retirement and playing for the Lions in, mm-hmm. in a different jumper. But, oh, it's it's brilliant. And it's going to lift the, the profile of the club uh, tremendously, especially in the media in Melbourne. And I think crowds are going to be lifted. Membership will be up as well. And just yeah, having someone who's played in four premierships, he's been captain of the club in such a successful era, mm-hmm. played um, under Fagan, obviously Fagan was football manager and was there during those uh, premierships as well. So it, it's just going to be brilliant for the club. I think it's just such a great thing for um, for us as a club. The other name we brought in this off season was Charlie Cameron. Um, There's a lot of angst over this deal, dating back to when Fagan sort of speculated it during the season, and Don Pike took offence to that, and then. Even during the trade period, it wasn't always friendly publicly with their managers. Well, Cameron's manager being pretty vocal, and Justin Reed being a bit of a bit of an ass about things at times. But um, uh, that's uh, putting it lightly. <laughs> we got the deal done. We paid pick twelve, which I still think, even after a few hours, probably a bit excessive. I would have been perfectly fine with eighteen, even twenty. Eighteen was probably my limit. 
I still think 12 was a reach for Charlie. 12 definitely was a reach for Charlie. I was pretty bloody annoyed when that <laughs> came through. At the last minute, they were going to um, give up 12 for him because there were reports going around that it was it was completely off. It was yeah. not going to happen this year. And I thought, beauty, like I'm willing to wait until next year when we can just absolutely screw Adelaide over, get him for the nothing potential in the preseason draft. But, yeah, 12 I didn't really like. But you look at it, uh, the 12 pick we got, for Hanley last year from the Suns. And if you look at it that way, mm. it's basically a swap. Hanley for Charlie Cameron, which that seems really good because Hanley's on his last legs. He's had so many injuries and uh, he, he was yeah. great for the club. Stuck around during those um, really tough years and feel really sorry for him. I really loved him as a player, but mm. yeah, he's probably just bodies leaning down there. But Charlie Cameron... Um, 23 years old, he's played 70-odd games, he's played in a, a pretty successful team, so hopefully he can bring some of what he shows at Adelaide to, to here and more, but yeah, that prelim final against Geelong yeah, was an absolute superstar, five goals I think, and yeah, we'd love to see some of that from Charlie. So I guess those who aren't so familiar with Charlie is sort of, you know, that really uh, good defensive pressure player, you know, great with the tackling and sneaky goal kicker. Sort of like, I guess, you know, in the Eddie Betts mould. But it was interesting listening to David Noble on Trade Radio at some point this week saying he was a player that we looked at going through the midfield a lot and that was sort of the next stage yeah. of his development. So, yeah, looking at having a lot of pace through the midfield when you think about Zorko and the light going through there. So, going to be exciting times at the Gabba. And it was something actually Noble mentioned as well that the Gabba plays really fast, which I think we... yeah. We recognise as fans. We always Definitely. sort of get a lot of free-flowing footy at the Gabba. So, um, yeah, it'll be one to watch. I think potentially Charlie coming off the back of the square at sort of centre bounce time as well, flying yeah. through the midfield. would be pretty exciting. But, yeah, great pickup for the club, especially when you spin it as out Pierce Hanley in Charlie Cameron, irrespective of pick 12. That's uh, the way you have to spin it. Yeah. We're all annoyed the way Adelaide dealt with it. Like, <clears throat> seriously, try to get a first-round pick next year. And they tried at some stage to get Dane Zorko, which is absolutely <laughs> bloody ridiculous. Like, just taking the absolute piss. Like, they just had an absolute mare of a month, Adelaide, losing the grand final, and then just they just imploded. Just yeah. the way they reacted to things. Jake Lieber and um, Tex Walker just... Paid through the teeth for Bryce Gibbs as well. Yeah, they sure did. But, um, yeah, in the end, I think we paid overs. Mm, It's a bit disappointing, but... Especially when he said himself, you know, look, in 12 months' time, I'm walking to Brisbane. It's something that we could have pretty much just gone through the pre-season draft and got a freebie for. Yeah. I think that when you look at it like that, it's pretty frustrating. But, you know, time will tell. As we said at, yeah. the, at the top of the podcast, we'll look back in retrospect and think maybe, you know, genius or we'll think like, you know, Fev 2.0, this was a disaster. But don't go too hard just yet, I think, is is the angle to play. Um, the other deal think, is... Yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, I think I just would have loved the club to just make a statement, just yeah. to say we won't be bullied <laughs> by these clubs. And there's a lot of talk going around today because Gold Coast got royally screwed in the, the Lucky Weller trade just because mm. a player wanted to, to go to the Gold Coast. So they paid ridiculous overs, which 
Oh, I, I don't know, I don't know how that, that will ever come out to be a good thing for the Suns. Like mm. I think you can say that now. That's never going to be a good trade for the Suns, giving up pick two and everything like that. But, yeah, I would have loved the club to just go, no, fair enough, you're not going to take. We've offered so much and you just keep throwing this back in our face and mm. putting up laughable offers. Just, nah, screw you, we'll get him for free next year. But, anyway, we'll move on. Um, the other deal we did at the deadline was a pick swap with Richmond. So I think it was about 20 and 25 for 15 and something in the 52 it might have been. Um, so I guess the gist of this deal was getting in front of a bid for Connor Ballander. So I think the club's expecting a bid yeah. around 18 to 22 is my guess based on what they've done. Um, and so then they've got 40, 44, and 52 in the back end as sort of points to put towards him. Um, so it puts us in a position to have picks 1, 15, and hopefully 18 before anything with Connor happens. Did you like that move? I suppose. Yeah, I did, lo- so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did like that move. If we can get those three picks in before having to go for Ballenden, I think that's a great move. And Bowl reports. I haven't seen him play or anything like that, but Ballenden's a, yeah, a really good player and a Queensland kid as well, so mm. we're not going to have the, the go-home factor there. So if you can get three picks in before that, I think that's a really good move for us. And it worked for Richmond as well. They wanted the, the father-son in Patrick Nash. Yep. So worked out well for both parties, and yeah, I think it's a good move. I think what's really interesting and a tad frustrating is how long this whole pe- how prolonged this whole period's been, and yet now our whole sort of off-season pans on if a bid comes for Connor before that pick 18 or after it. It's sort of, that yeah. shapes how our whole off-season looks, I think. Because if we have to spill the points before 18, suddenly it doesn't look so great. But anyway. No, um, it doesn't at all. We'll move on to what we lost. So it started with Tom Tommy Rockliffe in free agency moving to Port Adelaide. Um, the talk is that Pretty much, it was the long-term security of a fourth-year deal compared to what Brisbane was offering for three years and probably a bit more money as well. That probably swayed him over the line. Um, yeah, it was. It was definitely that. It was the. It was the money. It was the long-term security. He's going to be twenty-eight, um, not too far away, and yeah, a four-year deal for a twenty-eight-year-old's nearly unheard of, mm. to be honest. Um, yeah, and I think the reports. Going up to about six fifty a year, mm. which I think, I guess, Rich is on probably somewhere in that vicinity, and I think we probably did pay overs to to keep some of those guys a few years ago, and I think Rockcliffe probably would have seen that. But yeah, it, it's disappointing to lose him. He's been there for a long time. He's never played in a final. He's um, been captain of the side and really looked like he was turning his um, career around this year after mm-hmm. all that turmoil and trade talk last year. But, yeah, I think it wasn't a bad thing. But I just the whole thing around the, the compensation for free agency is yeah, just an absolute sad, joke. And Noble put it perfectly, a great description. It's just secret herbs and spices yeah. from the AFL, which is absolutely spot on because Motlop somehow – was a, a first end of the first round compensation pick as well, mm. and you can't possibly say that Motlop is in anywhere in the same class as totally. as Rockcliffe, and won't be getting paid the same amount either. And 
I was going back to three years ago with James Frawley at Melbourne. Yeah. And he was all Australian in 2010, but no best and fairest. Rockcliffe's got two. Mm. Um, yeah, and Melbourne got pick three for him. And so it is just a, a bit of a basket case with that Frazier's conversation. I think like if Motlop was worth pick 19 or whatever it was as well, yeah. I think we should have got a lot more for that. But Well, that's the thing. Like, you look at the free agents, I think the compensation for Rockcliffe was right. The compensation for Trengo was probably right. It's just Motlop that they got wrong, and it really sucks. It probably hurts us more than any other club in the comp to see that. Like, oh, yeah. You know, the other clubs probably don't care as much, but for us, it's a huge slap in the face where we're like, hang on, how, how does this work? But anyway, um, it is sad, as you said, to lose Tommy. Someone, I think, there's a lot of... Uh, romantics and all of us that probably wanted him to, you know, one day lift the cup or whatever and play finals with us and lead lead us back to the top, but um, it's not to be. Um, it is a bit of a shame. I th- There's a part of me that thinks, you know, you've been pretty well paid for most of your career. You've been paid overs to stay in Brisbane during tough times, which is fair enough, but, you know, maybe respect that the times have changed a bit now and but I suppose he does have a family to look after and, and whatnot and he has to do the best by them. And, you know, you're only playing footy for, what, 10, 13 years or whatever. You've got to make it count while you can. So you can't really I think be... that's what it is, just the times have changed. I, mm. I think I put up a tweet last week saying people draft after about 2013 and if they stick around at the same club for 13-plus years, they should be knighted because yeah. it just won't happen. Like... Clubs are going to come with big, big money deals, mm-hmm. and it's just the landscape now. It's not uncommon for guys to change clubs, and just with free agency and like contracts not existing now, mm-hmm. it just creates this landscape where it's just so easy for players to move. And we're already seeing that. Um, the angst over Rockcliffe has probably calmed down a bit now, but there was definitely a divide amongst the fans initially when things went down. So there was a lot saying, you know, Brisbane, stump up the money, pay up. And there was a lot saying, you know, Rocky, take it or leave it. Where did you sort of fit in that discussion? Did you think the club should have maybe put up a bit of more of a fight to keep him or were you happy with where how they played it? I was really torn. I was I kept going from one camp to the other, yeah. but I think in the end, four years and six hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, it, it's hard because I think the the salary cap has been and raised just with the the bargaining agreement. So six fifty, maybe not as much as what it would have been mm. a few years ago. So. Oh, it's a really tough one. I would just love to see him play just because yeah. he's been through there for a long time and just didn't have any success and really worked his ass off for the club. But, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I'm still torn on it, to be honest. But, yeah, yeah probably it's fair to let him go. But, mm. um, yeah, time, time will tell with this one as well. If he goes on to absolutely kill it at Port Adelaide, then... We'd probably go, oh, we probably should have coughed up the extra money. Up, but yeah. he, he has had injury problems in the last couple of years, which, which has held him back. And well, I think 
that's the basis behind my thinking. Like, I'm in the firm club did the right thing here camp just because, like, he has struggled significantly to get on the park in the last few years. Like, played well throughout the season with the shoulder injury this year, but has a history of back problems and hasn't played every game for about four years now, I think. Um, so I think offering a 28-year-old four years would have been pretty irresponsible. I think, yeah, you're right. I think past management probably would have done that. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's still a rule. Actually, there wouldn't be because Luke Hodge just signed a two-year deal. But it used to be like a club rule that past 30, you only get one-year deals. Mm. Um, so that's obviously not the case anymore, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, I was pretty comfortable with how they handled it and getting pick 18 at the time sat well with me. But, yeah, since the Motlop thing came out, definitely was a bit of a kick in the teeth. But it is yeah, what it definitely. is. Um, not Just shifting away from a Brisbane focus for a minute, pretty surprised Port have the salary cap to do what they've done this off-season. Like, the last few seasons been pretty well documented that they were like bursting at the seams in terms of their salary cap and what they had to do. Um, they did actually get rid of a few big contracts this year, like Jackson Trengove was apparently on a good wicket there and walked to the Bulldogs and they got rid of Matthew Loby in the end. But still, to bring in three free agents who would be on pretty decent money is a bit of a surprise for me. Big surprise. And like you said, they have got rid of a few guys. They got rid of Aaron Young as well. And oh, yeah, um, I think Logan Austin went to St Kilda. So they that did. Archie fella as well. Archie as well, yeah. So they did get rid of a few, but <laughs> not going to be anywhere near what mm. um, Rockcliffe, Motlop are, are going to be worth. So, yeah, I'm surprised by that as well because they're going to be paying good money to guys like Paddy Ryder, yeah. Gray, Boak. Ollie Wines, Wingard, mm. you go through some of those names, that'd be on pretty good money. So, mm. yeah, it's a really good point about the salary cap and maybe watch this space at Port Adelaide. Um, they've sort of done a Brisbane 2009 and gambled on, you know, improving their finals position like we did under Voss. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they went, especially considering they didn't beat a top eight team all year, which has been well documented. But good luck to them, I guess, and we don't have to death ride them like we did this year, which was actually pretty enjoyable in the end, I found. It was fun. Yeah, it was. fun having a team to, to ride to the end. <laughs> anyway, the other big name we lost, huge name, Josh Shackey, in what seemed like the 11th hour, um, ended up losing him for picks, I think it was 25 and something in the... 40. 40? Yeah, 40, exactly. Um, yeah, just this whole side has been so draining as a fan, to go from Willy Wony sign to him signing till still after that constant speculation about him potentially moving till every day of the trade period until, yeah, the 11th hour, just probably when we all thought, oh, yeah, we're going to be fine, and he was gone. But, um, yeah, a huge blow to lose a pick two from two years ago for a bit of change in the second and third rounds. Oh, um, it really is. And you just think what you have to go through to get a top draft pick like that, to get pick two. Mm. We lost 18 games that season, just went through hell. And I think the worst thing about it is all the talk around Josh Shackey was his father played for Brisbane. He really wanted to go there. He was set on going to the club and 
sticking out for the long haul and now he's gone after two years and we've only got picks 25 and 40 in return. It just mm-hmm. seems like absolute peanuts. And in a softish draft as well, I, I just find it extraordinary that we'd get rid of him this year. If things didn't work out next year, Hodge comes to the club, maybe takes on a mentor role yeah. for Josh, then maybe part with some picks in a, a better draft bowl report. So it's really shattering to see him go like this. And mm. I, even in hindsight, I, I think the Charlie Cameron one, I, I was still filthy about it at the start and I've calmed on that one. But the Josh Shackey one, it still hurts. It, mm. it really is not a good feeling. And I think back to when we tried to trade Bradshaw and Risky Tally as part of the Fev deal and I get that same sort of feeling just with this. It just... Yeah. It doesn't sit right, but I know Josh does have a few few issues off the field, and yeah, he was obviously dealing with the homesickness, and mm. uh, there's all these reports about does he even have the mental aptitude to, to play AFL footy, and does he really want it enough? And only time will tell with that. I, I'm still uncertain, but he has the talent. It's just, yeah, the mental side of his game. It was actually interesting moments before I called you. There was a video put up by the, the bullies with an interview from Josh, and he actually said, you know, that's something I have to work on, the mental side of my, my footy, which is something I found interesting that he specifically referenced because I suppose from a fan point of view, it's something we've all sort of speculated and talked about is, is that, that side of him up to scratch in terms of being a professional footballer. So for him to say that was pretty confronting. But um, I think what makes this deal a bit more palatable is we managed to turn some of those picks into fifteen doesn't seem too bad it sort of cushions the blow a bit but yeah I'm with you I would have hung on for at least another year tried to make it work even if that meant you know him spending more time in Seymour during the year like whatever just go home um yeah I mean my thinking now is they re-signed him to get bang for their buck at the trade table but they haven't actually done that (laughs) not even close um yeah, I don't know. It is really frustrating. And I think the more you look into it, like, as you said, his dad played for the club and he was really keen to get up here. But taking a few picks later was a guy that barracked for the club, Clayton Oliver, who's pretty much set the world on fire this season. Just to think to have him in oh, our midfield. Oh, I don't want to right, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want to think about that. It hurts a lot. It it hurts. It really hurts. Um, and, yeah... I don't know how you feel, but I just thought these days were behind us. Like, I thought we had this sort of thing settled. I do think Josh is a pretty rare case. Like, I wouldn't... Yeah, he is. I no, he is for sure. I wouldn't bundle this into the go-home five discussion no. at all. You can't. But it is still frustrating. You think, oh, okay, we've turned this corner and still... Still this can happen. But, um, yeah. Good luck to him. Hope he does well. Hope he you know, sorts out everything he needs to sort out. But, yeah, can't help but feel we've been shortchanged here. Um, I think what else this deal says is, you know, picks 25 and 40 to get rid of him so lightly. The club must have been really concerned with some of the stuff that was happening. And I think Noble said, like, publicly, you know, you signed a deal, but at some point in the future we still feel like you're going to come home. Yeah. So I think there was just enough concerns there that the club just had to get rid of him. And I think 
at the end of the day, even if he signed for another, if he stayed, sorry, for another year, we would have had 12 more months of just relentless willy wony speculation, watching every one of his moves, which A, isn't good for him and his well-being, but B, just not good for the club, complete distraction no, that we not. don't need. And, you know, you think about the players, like they're trying to live their lives and they get stopped on the corner every day saying, oh, you know what's happening with Josh? Just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad in a small way that this distraction's gone. It's the Bulldogs' problem now because, mm-hmm. yeah, he's back in Victoria, but the media speculation won't go away about him because he's in Melbourne. Yeah, no, that spotlight's going to Where AFL shine. is <laughs> everything. Mm. He's up in Brisbane. He's been away from a bit. I know he's been everywhere still, but I think that's probably still going to be the case when he, he's at the Dogs. Uh, they're a bit of a big club now, and the, the focus has been on them, obviously, mm. since they win the Premiership and everything like that. So, yeah, I think the Lions, like the club, was very concerned, and especially not playing the NEFL Grand Final. Mm. Like the, They've been working with him throughout those issues, but for him to say, I want to go home, I don't want to play the NEFL Grand Final, that would have just absolutely sounded alarm bells. And I believe that he did say something along the lines of, yeah, I didn't come up here to play two's footy, I came up here to play senior footy. So that was oh, one really? of the reasons, one of the excuses he used for actually... Um, wow. Yeah, and not playing. So, yeah, that's that's a big call. And mm. it's, that would have definitely sounded alarm bell. So they've um, been working with him. They've tried. But, yeah, I would have loved to see them stick out another year. But, yeah, like you said, the, the media speculation, it's not our problem anymore. Mm. And it, it is probably good for the club overall. But we would have loved to get a bit more from him. I don't know how you feel, but I'm not in any way angry at the club like in this case I truly think the club went above and beyond for Josh Shackey to make him fit in yeah to do everything right by him it just hasn't worked out I think you know there's no concerns in terms of this being an ongoing issue and losing Victorians or whatever to homesickness yeah I think this is just an isolated thing um on top of that it's a different case Yeah. yeah on top of that without I think we've almost speculated too much about the mental side of things going on here, but I think it is interesting that he goes to the Bulldogs who have Tom Boyd, Travis Cloak, and I think there was another one that struggled with it this year alone, not only... Yeah, someone retired at the start of the season. Who was that? I don't remember. Oh, he, he, was, a, he was a rookie that hadn't yeah. played a game. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I do remember that. But yeah, a club that has a history of, of struggling in this department... It's going to be really interesting to watch from afar how it unfolds. Um, but anyway, we'll move on from that. It's a loss. We would have liked to see him be you know, a 10-plus year forward for us, but it's not to be. Um, we now shift our attention to the draft, armed with picks 1, 15, 18, and a few picks that will likely end up being Connor Ballenden. Are you much? Are you going to stick your head out and say who you'd prefer to take? Pick one, just to wrap up this podcast. I'm not a big fan of the draft and speculating because it is it's not a lottery, but mm. you just don't know what you're going to get with yeah. some of these kids. And um, there's been a lot of talk about Rayner, and he's mm. come out and said publicly he's more than happy to to come to the lines and yeah. everything like that. But we've, <laughs> we've heard that before, haven't we? Yeah, well, but, yeah. Um, there's 
Dow in the the discussion as well. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think they might not go towards Rayner. Yeah, I get that feeling the, as the, well. The murmurings around him that he might be more of a, a Melbourne person that would want to stick around. So it, it's hard to really know, but there's I think Dow's probably in the conversation. We might go with him at one. Yeah, I would have said Dow. Luke Davies, Uniac's probably the other one that I personally like at number one. But, yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, anything else you want to throw in before we wrap up? Yeah, just we're talking about the go-home factor before and just McLuggage coming into next season. That's going to be well interesting. Or... Good point, because not only is he out of contract and so is Witherden, but McLuggage has the same manager as Shaki and... We've talked about this throughout the year, but I still feel like the manager played things terribly with how he sort of managed Josh throughout the year. And yeah, he did. So wait and see what happens with you. Hopefully it's a bit more straightforward, but I keep hearing good things about Hugh. I feel like he's really settled, and I think the you know picking him up and Barry with that combination yeah. has really worked in, in our favour. So it'd be interesting to see this draft if we do something similar. But, um, yeah, I'm probably not worried about Hugh. But then again, I probably wasn't worried about Josh at this time last year either. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't either. But, um, yeah, with Witherden as well, I think hopefully we're, we're pretty safe there. I'm hearing pretty good reports about him I think too. So The frustrating thing is they get, the Victorian clubs are going to come and they're going to come hard. Yeah. Just got to back in the system. In fags we trust. Yep. Hodgie will get around the boys. <laughs> That's it. All right, mate. Good talking to you. And we might do another post-draft, maybe, podcast just to just to wrap up the season. A neat little package. Yeah, sounds good, Kegs. All right, mate. See ya.